You are listening to Parenting Our Future with certified parent coach, Robin McMahon, author of The Yelling Cure and founder of Parenting for Connection. My podcast is all about providing you with the tools and solutions you need in your parenting so you can create the family you always wanted. For more information on my book and other resources, check out yellingcurebook.com. And if you like my show, then I want to tell you about a hilarious parenting podcast called What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. It's hosted by Amy and Margaret, who are both comedians and moms of three. But that's where the similarities end because Margaret is laid back to the max and Amy loves making lists and planning ahead. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, Amy and Margaret wrestle with a common parenting issue using research, lively debate, and tons of humor. So if you're stuck at home right now with your kids, this is the perfect escape. Check out What Fresh Hell, Laughing in the Face of Motherhood, wherever you listen to podcasts or at whatfreshhellpodcast.com. It's Robin McMahon here. Welcome back to Parenting Our Future. Today I have a guest with me whose name is Emily Lynn Paulson. She is an author. She's a network marketing leader. She's a certified professional recovery coach, speaker, and a member of a long-term recovery community. Formerly trained as a chemist and a teacher, she rose to success in the top tiers of a direct marketing skincare company where she gained her voice and platform for sobriety and healing. She's been sober since January 2nd, 2017, and her recovery Every path is focused on ruthless honesty, grace, and self-love. She is passionate about connecting women with resources for recovery from trauma, eating disorders, and substance abuse, and she believes that sharing our truth with each other is the best resource of all. Emily lives in Seattle with her husband and her five children. Emily, welcome! Thanks for having me. Well, there's so much in that 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 is that is important i think so we're here really to talk about talk about getting wrapped up in this wine culture this kind of booze culture that we see a lot around moms don't we mhm yeah we yeah. do and it's growing every year it seems to be getting a little bit worse yeah so your story and 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 you have a book that is um that's called highlight real finding honesty and recovery beyond the filtered life. And in this book, you share your story from pain to this new way of being, the sobriety. Um, Would you tell us a little bit about what your uh, story is all about? Sure. Um, So really, I got sober three years ago. And I think like a lot of people who get sober, I looked at myself in the mirror and said, how the heck did I get here? And I started reading a lot. I started writing a lot. And I found that I was really covering up a lot of trauma, um, a lot of things that happened early in my life with alcohol. And I really started writing about that. It became a memoir because it really went back to the beginning, um, that it wasn't so much about the drinking, but what I was doing the drinking for to numb out pain. um, And then, you know, to fit in when I was in high school, to fit in when I was in college, uh, to numb out different things in my life. And then as a parent, to numb out really the difficulty of parenting. And so I, I, you know, that's how the book came about. And it really is, it's a memoir. It's my story. It's about healing and just finding a new way um, to live and living honestly. 
Yeah, and, and we're here to just talk about the culture. We're not here to judge anyone or criticize anyone. I drink and, um, you know, I have, a, I have a glass of wine and, and that sort of thing. And I know that's not what your message is, right? It's not about shaming people or criticizing people. It's, like, it's just that you got caught up in this culture and there's kind of, there's, there is some pressure out there that, and, and it seems to be that motherhood and wine somehow seem to go together. Yes. And I think for me, a lot of my issues were able to be hidden by it. Um, you know, just like when you're in college and it's really easy to hide binge drinking because it's kind of in the culture of college, it's in the culture of fraternities and sororities, unfortunately. And as a mom, it's easy to hide a problem, a drinking problem, because everywhere you go, there's wine. There's wine at playdates at 10 a.m. Well, drinking in the morning isn't a problem if everyone's doing it. So for someone, it really isn't about nobody should drink, mom shouldn't drink. It's really about just looking at what we're using it for and, you know, do we need this in every situation and, and really, you know, looking at what moms really need. Do we need wine? Do we need rosé all day? Or do we need connection? Do we need friends? Do we need a break? Um, what are we using the wine for is really, I think, the message of, of what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I would, I would definitely agree with that. What are we using it for? Let's look at mm -hmm. that. And I mean, it's, it's shocking to hear that there are playdates at 10 a.m. that have wine. Mm -hmm. um, I never experienced that. I don't know if that's something new. My kids are 14 and almost 12. So um, it's been a while since we've had a playdate, but wow, that, um, and, and actually, look, I've never seen it. I've, uh, I've never experienced it, but I have heard of it. And that was part of your story too, isn't it? That you had bottle openers everywhere throughout your house, right? So that you yeah. could sneak a drink. Mm -hmm. Yep. And it really became, um, the secrecy of it really was what kept me really locked into it for so long, because even if I met friends out for a drink, they didn't necessarily know that I had been drinking before, or I came home and drank after. It was just so easy to hide. And then I wasn't being honest about it. So nobody could really help me. Um, it wasn't like anyone was waiting to stage an intervention because they didn't know how much I was drinking. And I have found since I wrote this book and put my story out there that are a, there are a lot of women living that same way um, who don't look like they have a problem because if they are having mimosas in the morning or if they are going out for happy hour every night after work, a lot of other moms do too. Um, so it's really easy to hide a problem if you have one. Hmm. Yeah, and you know. I know that I was doing some some research for a masterclass that I that I have and I talk about how we have so many ways to cope with our feelings and our emotions and a lot of ways that we can cope is through online shopping, gambling, eating, and drinking. And I remember doing uh just a search to and I had mom and wine and it was unbelievable how many products came up <laughs> how many funny jokes came up how many you know shirts uh tops uh, glasses i mean you name it there is something about it and and i think what you're saying is that you're also finding that there is um there's almost a pressure that like oh if you're all together we like motherhood and wine somehow need to go together mm -hmm. yeah i i think that's it has become a joke. Um, 
you know, and if you really look at the heart of it, like it's not funny um, because what are you telling your kids? You know, if mommy needs wine, well, why does mommy need wine? So as a sobriety coach, then how do you know it, when too much is too much? Like, and maybe, maybe what I'll ask you first is where was your bottom? You know, you said nobody could help you because you kept it a secret. So first, where was your bottom and, and how much is too much? So I think that's different for everybody. And I think a lot of it comes down to just education about alcohol in general. Um, there are a lot of people who, who have a lot of in, misinformation about it. You know, that drinking is, is good for you. Um, you know, there's antioxidants, so you should have a glass of wine every night. I mean, a lot of people believe that. Um, you know, there's a lot of faulty research shared around it. So I think a lot of it just comes down to understanding that, hey, it is a risk, just like lots of things that adults can do, you know, driving is a risk, smoking is a risk, um, alcohol has an inherent risk. So I think for a lot of people, it's just recognizing that um, and understanding that and just taking that in. And then beyond that, looking at how is it serving you? You know, are you waking up every day foggy? Are you not able to complete tasks? Like where, where is the line where it's impeding your life enough that you're willing to take a look at it. Um, and I think for a lot of people, you know, the fact that they wake up hungover every single day and still go back to it, you know, that, that's a reason to take a look at it. Um, so I think it's very different for everybody to say, there, there's no amount, like this much is too much for every person. It's really different for everybody. Um, but just to know that, yes, it's an addictive substance. Anybody can get addic addicted to it. And, you know, you just have to be careful with it just like any other risk that adults take. So what for you was your bottom, I guess, if you will, what, what was the point at which you had realized that you needed to look at what was going on with you? Sure. So I can look back, hindsight's 2020, and see that it caused a problem throughout my whole life um, in relationships and in school. And finally, I was confronted with the law. Um, I got pulled over when I was drinking and driving. And I didn't, I still didn't, wasn't ready to confront the drinking. I, it was another six months before I completely stopped drinking, but it made me have the conversation with my family. Uh, I had to have a breathalyzer put in my car. And, you know, that makes for some awkward conversation at school pickup. And it really got me reevaluating my relationship with it when my kids would say, well, you know, if, if it's illegal or if it's uh, illegal to drink and drive, why did you do it? And having to have that conversation. And, you know, if it's so and you can get in trouble, why do people do it? And then realizing that they did notice when I would drink wine every night and they did notice mm -hmm. that anytime people came over, there was always alcohol. And they did notice that when we drank, we started talking silly. And, and so I realized that what I had been doing was really affecting them way more than I thought. I thought it was such a secret. I thought I was, you know, I was above it and, you know, it was under the radar, but, um, but they knew. And so it, that really was the driving force for me at the end of the day. I woke up hungover on New Year's day and I just had had enough mm. hearing my kids downstairs and realizing that, you know, they were going to grow up without a mom if I kept going. So that was really it for me. Wow. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's a lot. I mean, the breathalyzer in the car is definitely yeah. something you can't hide anymore. No. Right. It makes and, for an awkward field trip when the teacher has to come with you just saying. 
Oh, jeez. Oh, my goodness. Um, wow. Yeah. You know, there's something that I want to read in your book that, that I think is, is, is something that can, can uh, take us in a different part in this conversation. And that is really about the kind of pain that we're feeling as moms. Like it's, it, it is something that we're facing right now. And, and what you say in your book here is we come to the job with this ideal mother in our heads. She's always cheerful and happy. She's always putting her children first. She has a few, she has a few needs of her own. Most women compare themselves to her, but they never really measure up because she's not real and she never has been. We're told it's okay to be good enough, parents, but there is an inherent insult in the term. Since we don't know what we're supposed to be, we strive for perfection and then we hate ourselves when we fall short. Instead, we feel shame and that we've messed up as mothers. And we keep that shame to ourselves, even though I feel like more of us are having this conversation, it's still filtering down into action. And the most influential mothers on Instagram continue to project a life of impossible perfection. We still show the highlight reel instead of the stuff that goes on behind the scenes. I think that's pretty yep. true. Mm -hmm. I think that's true. We don't talk about the reality of it. And, and isn't it so interesting that not only do we talk, we, we show the best stuff like these Kodak moments, but we're uncomfortable when someone shares real stuff sometimes, mm -hmm. don't you think? And uh, absolutely. And even, um, you know, I've kind of made it my mission. I mean, that's my Instagram name is highlight reel. And, you know, this is kind of what, what I'm trying to do is live more true to myself but even still, even myself and other influencers who are trying to be more real and show the unfiltered photos, we still only show the things we want to see. I mean, you can bet I'm not writing about the spat I had with my husband, and I'm not writing about a fight I had with my teenager, you know, because it's the invasion of his privacy. Like, there are things that go on that I would never put out on social media. It's the reality, no matter how real you're going to be. Mm -hmm. But I think it's important still to share things that you can connect with people on. And I think motherhood, especially, again, I think we're getting better, but we don't connect in a way that makes us feel like we're not alone. We still feel alone. We, we stand, and that's one thing I say in the, the book too, it's like we stand in the kitchen screaming and like we don't know why anyone can't hear us because we've isolated ourselves through social media, through this perfection, um, and just not having a community that we need. You are currently listening to the Parenting Our Future podcast. I'm parent coach Robin McMahon. If you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with someone who you think might also need to hear this message. And please don't forget to subscribe, and I would be grateful if you gave me a five-star rating on iTunes. If you'd like to connect with me, all my details are in the show notes. And for a copy of my book, go to yellingcurebook.com. Now back to the show. I completely agree with the fact that we are isolating ourselves. We have so much access to communication and to all of this stuff, but we do hide away. We are not as... Um, we're not, we're not as connected as, as we really need to be because we're, that's, we're wired for it. And, and if you look into past generations, you know, our kids have had the wealth of a community surrounding them. And so this isn't meant to be done alone. We need to support each other. And you, you know, your message is similar to mine where we talk about how 
we need to drop the judgment. We need to nurture each other. We need to support each other. We need to help each other, be honest with each other as much as possible. And of course, we're not going to always share everything uh, on social media because we don't need to. It's private, right? We can have some privacy, uh, but, but, it, but it's about being authentic too. Like, you know, hey, it is hard. It, it, it is hard to be a parent. And and we, we are struggling. We are really struggling. And I see it every single day. We're struggling because we think that there is this perfect idea of what a mom should be. And it's just not true. <laughs> Parenting is different for everyone. It's messy. It's complicated. Every child is different. It's hard enough to raise a typical child, never mind a child with a special need or special needs. Um, and and it and it is really hard. So, you know, what what is it that you say to moms that are struggling? What is your advice to them? Well, the first thing I say is, you know, don't compare your real life to someone else's highlight reel, because again, what you see is not what's true. It's not the truth behind it. And I even think back. I mean, prior generations. I think back to even when my 15 year old was a baby. Uh, my 13 year old was a baby, you know, before Facebook, before Instagram, I would call up friends on the phone um, or I would get together with friends and I had fewer connections for sure, way fewer, but we talked about the good. We talked about the bad. We didn't talk about all of the good and all the bad, but there was a lot of balance. Mm. Now we're inundated. We're friends with everybody and we have all these connections. We're inundated with all of the Disneyland pictures and the Hawaii pictures and the happy smiles and the cute matching jammies at Christmas, which I posted a cute matching jammy picture too. But we're inundated with that and we, we don't have that balance anymore. So we automatically feel like we're failing. And, and so I think taking a step back from it and taking it with a grain of salt, it, and it's great to want to share your, your happy moments, but realize what you're not sharing is the same thing that other people aren't sharing too. Really, we're we're no different in that way. Mm -hmm. I have so many people tell me, thank you for sharing your story because I thought I was the only one. And when I was going through my struggles as a, as, as a new mom and, and in those early years, it was so dark for me. It was so mm -hmm. painful and I felt so alone. And I'm grateful for those experiences because it brought me to where I am today. But I know that despair. I know that pain. And, you know, it's really real, right? And, and then you add to that looking at and following all of these perfect people, perfect, I'm using air quotes, perfect people, mm -hmm. it just makes you feel worse. Mm -hmm. So, And then on top of that, you, you feel judgment on yourself because you think, oh, I should be grateful. I should be really grateful for what I have. I mean, I should be grateful that I have five kids. How dare I complain about how difficult it is, about how difficult, you know, there's so many people who would love these kids. There's so many people who have it worse than me. And so even if you are in pain and want to connect, you feel this inherent shame and in even sharing it because mm. we have like this gratitude shame on top of it. So it's, it's really mm. hard. It's really hard. It's a strange dynamic, isn't it? It really is. And so then it's kind of no wonder why people go to numbing themselves with different things. And, and here's the thing, um, you know, our kids are like, they're watching us, right? And I think it's a really important thing. And, and I just want to say it again, you know, what does that say about them that we need to be numb in order to be with them, to be around them and to be their parent? 
mm-hmm. it's a it's a pretty tough message to to send to your kids you know mm-hmm. one I just think we need to look at I think we need to have you know have that conversation about just bring it into the light right right and I think it's fine if you're a person who drinks I mean most of my friends drink my husband drinks but when I stopped drinking, it made us realize how much we centered our life around it, mm-hmm. how every social event was centered about the drinking, not the kids. It was about how can we get together and booze it up while the kids are over here doing this. And, and it wasn't, uh, you know, we, we just separated it more. If we want to have adult time and do adult things, get a babysitter. Right. Um, or if we want to have people over for a game and people bring their drinks and stuff, that's fine. But that's not just the, the given. It's, I don't want it to be a given anymore that my kids know, oh, friends are coming over. I guess there's going to be people who get drunk. Mm-hmm. That's, that's just, we, we just got to think about that a little bit more. And do you want your kids to associate you with, with a drink, um, to associate calming, fun, parenting? Do you want them to associate anything with a substance? Mm-hmm. Um, it's just something we, we've got to think about. Hmm. So what do you do then? What do you do if you, if you think you're struggling and you think that maybe this is a problem? Like, what do you do and what do you do instead? So I think the first thing is ask yourself, how am I feeling? You know, when you say, gosh, I've had a rough day, make it a double. What, what is the feeling there? Like, are you feeling like stressed out from your job? Um, are your kids driving you crazy? Do you have too much house? you know, work to do, look if there's an avenue for that. Like, gosh, this keeps coming up. I cannot keep my house clean. Maybe it's time to stop going to Starbucks every day and invest in a house cleaner instead. Like just, just really kind of think about the problem, the feeling you're having instead of just drinking through it and kind of ignoring it or eating through it or smoking through or whatever you do to numb it out. It's not always just about drinking. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the way that you're avoiding that feeling um, and, and see if there's a different way you can deal with it. Mm. I think that's, that's a really good place to start. What if one of your biggest struggles is your child? That's a tough one. That's tough. Um, you know, I, uh, you know, I don't talk much about my kids, like personal struggles, but I, you know, one of my daughters has severe ADHD Mm-hmm. Um, and has been really, you know, has, it's been challenging. Um, and even as a baby, you know, I had someone say to me, gosh, she's a really hard child to love. Oh. And, and as hurtful as that, that sounds like you can understand that in any parent who has, who I've talked to, who has a child, you know, with autism or, or anything where they can be very hard to love. And gosh, I mean, a teenager who slams their door in your face. And I mean, they can be hard to love sometimes. Yeah. Um, I think it, it's all about internalizing it and knowing that it's not about you. And, that, mm-hmm. and that's really hard. So how, you know, how can you deal with, again, it's all about how can I deal with this a different way? Um, your child can't choose who they are mm-hmm. and, and neither can you. And so what can you do internally for yourself? You need a journal. You need to go do yoga. You need a babysitter. How can you take care of yourself in this situation um, without necessarily numbing out or, or, or damaging yourself um, more for mm-hmm. it and making it more difficult, increasing your anxiety even more? Um, but, but I've been there. And, and I think, you know, that was an excuse for me for a long time. It's like I, I need to bring down the noise. 
mm-hmm. and bring down the noise in my head. And unfortunately, it always came back tenfold. So it 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 didn't work, right? Yeah. Um, so it's really hard. It's just not internalizing it, I think. Right. Yeah. And And unfortunately, we're raised in a way where we don't learn how to honor our feelings, our emotions, and, mm-hmm. and, and feel like we can sit with them. Because mm-hmm. that feeling isn't going to mean the end of the world for you. It just mm-hmm. needs to come. And, and actually, if you were to sit in a feeling and feel it, it will pass. That's mm-hmm. the thing. It's like a train going through a tunnel, right? The feeling is the train, or you are the train and the feeling is the tunnel and you go through it and there is another side to it and you don't have mm-hmm. to necessarily numb it. And, and I know that's easy to say sitting here saying that, you know, there, there are people dealing with major issues and trauma and mental illness and, and all sorts of things. So, you know, that's not to say that just to trivialize it, but you can feel your feelings. It's okay. You can. And it also shows your kids that you can feel them. And, and one of the things that we do in my home is we talk about our feelings. You know, I'll say to them, look, I am really upset today. I'm stressed out today. I had a rough day. So I might not be as cheerful and I might, you know, need to sit down and have some quiet time on my own because I need to think about some things or I just need to cry right now or whatever it is. Like we talk about the language of feelings and needs. And so my kids are learning to do that too. And I think that's really healthy. Mm -hmm. Same. I mean, I've got one daughter that legitimately gets hangry if she doesn't (laughs) she gets low blood sugar when she doesn't eat and so we've learned to talk about those things like if you're hungry angry lonely or tired you know if you're acting out gosh has she had a meal has she did she get crappy sleep last night um did she not get to hang out with her friends today you know all those things first then it makes more sense and I ask myself that too so much so that if I'm kind of being irritable the kids will ask, like, are you tired? <laughs> Did you get out of sleep last night? Because they understand the correlation. And we're never going to be perfect, of no. course. But um, it, I think it's so important. It's like, it's okay if you are tired and you're not in the best mood. It's okay to talk about it. Like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not interested in playing this game right now because I won't be very fun. So is it okay if we just read books and do something quiet? Because yeah you know, I'm here. Talk about it. Oh my goodness. Like, let's just say the thing. Let's just say the thing that we're feeling. And by the way, your daughter needs a sign that I've seen that says, forgive me for what I said when I was hungry. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes, you know. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So, so look, we're here just to, 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 start this conversation, continue this conversation, be a part of this conversation about how, parenting is really hard. We have so much pressure on us to be this perfect idea of a mom, which doesn't exist. And quite frankly, if I knew this mythical perfect mom it probably would hate her because yeah. she's every she represents everything that i'm not so start trying to be perfect it doesn't exist we don't want that it's messy life is messy and complicated we are full of emotions and struggles and we are a product of our past of our upbringing we are a product of so much we we are many layered right we're we're that mm-hmm. onion from shrek we are we yeah. are so oniony and we need to recognize that in each other and in ourselves and that there is a different way we can feel our feelings and if you are struggling 
if you're struggling, there is a community out there. I have a community for moms who are struggling. You have a community as well on, on, on Instagram and you have a website. And what I really like about your website too, is if you think you're struggling, you do have a list of questions to ask yourself that are just things for you to consider if you think maybe you are struggling. And, and so that's a really good place to start. All of that information is going to be in the show notes, but why don't you, uh, what is your, um, your website is Emily, Emily Lynn Yes. And you are at Highlight Real Recovery on Instagram as well. So anybody who wants to reach out to you can do that through those channels. And again, I'll put that all on, uh, on the show notes as well. Thank you for sharing your story, your experience. Thank you for using your life to make a difference for us mamas who are doing the best that we can. Yes. And thanks so much for having me on. Thank you for listening to this edition of my podcast, Parenting Our Future. I'm parent coach Robin McMahon. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with someone who you think might also need to hear this message. And don't forget to subscribe. And if you like my work, I'd be grateful if you gave me a five-star rating. For those of you who like my content and want more, visit me at yellingcurebook.com to get your copy of my book and to find other resources to help you. Until next time, I am wishing you and your family peace and connection.